You're listening to Your Music, Your Business, a podcast helping you to explore the business behind your music. Hello, everyone. Today, I am joined by Jake Weemers, music producer, DJ and instructor at his company, Oso Academy. Thank you so much for joining the podcast today, Jake. Hey, Jazz. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm really excited to chat with you and yeah, go through some industry stuff. Yeah, very keen. Well, firstly, Jake, let, uh, tell us, how did you get into music production as well as becoming a touring artist? Awesome. So funny how I actually got into it. I started as a DJ first and then got into the music production realm. So to actually give a little bit of a, I'll give you like the TLDR on, on my kind of story, which is I was an apprentice carpenter at the time when I was, I don't know, like fresh 18. And um, basically my entire life, I just sort of competed in sports and sort of always did that. And I was racing motocross at the time, had an injury and I was off the tools off the job site for, I think like nearly six months and uh, randomly bought this secondhand laptop and I had this DJ program on it and uh, I started messing around there. I was like, it's kind of cool and never really been out before found out we're going out to nightclubs was I was like I think I could do this like this is this is pretty cool and uh yeah curiosity just had me like okay and then um I guess like coming from that like athlete type background it's like if you're in on something you're just obsessed and it pretty much just became an obsession to me and that's sort of how I started DJing and started in a small country town called Crow's Nest, which there is nothing going on out there. It's a <laughs> population of about 2,000 people, I think, to date as well. So very remote. And then, yeah, got into a nightclub in the next closest city type thing, which was Toowoomba. And then from there, I sort of like got to the height of where I could go there. And I was like, okay, I want to make a career of this. And then, yeah, transition from there to the Gold Coast, which is about two and a half hours away. And yeah, slowly work my way through the residency ranks. And for me, it was like, okay, how do I get to that next level? And that was music production. And then, yeah, start going down that obsession and that path. And yeah, that's sort of, yeah, I guess that's the kind of like background of how I actually got started. So nice. And like all good musicians, it's sort of like it, it's the most roundabout, weirdest way to get to the, the this amazing career that you've been able to build, which is what the beauty of the music industry, isn't it? <laughs> it is. It is. It's it's so funny how like you know these different paths lead you to where you are, and you know I think like just going from even you know just DJing and stuff, and then the natural progression. I think as a DJ producer is you know start doing mashups, and all of a sudden you're like, how do I do a remix? And then you do that, and it's like oh, original music, and then when you you get to play that to a crowd and they react you're like damn this is something else and it's uh yeah that for me was magic and i just wanted to see how far i could possibly take that and yeah that was yeah. uh the start of the progression for me wow well i find it so amazing that you came from a non-music background and then we're able to unlock that magic that is making music um and it's no small feat even the fact that you came like from crow's nest into toowoomba and we're able to build a career out of toowoomba which if anybody <laughs> grew up there which is sort of what i did i grew up in the gold coast so i get it it's it's hard like even making a career in the gold coast is hard that's why i moved <laughs> Dude, that's amazing i i have no idea about see that's i think that's the coolest thing about like anyone that moves out of their their hometown or whatever they're so driven to get out and do bigger things and i think that's the that was the thing for me and it was like sort of when i got to that point on the gold coast where i'm like i got to a position where i'm like full-time dj dj three nights a week it's making more than i would have made as a tradesman um and it's just like okay cool this is this is sick but then i see these touring acts come to town and i'm like i want to do that that's yeah. that's way cooler so then it's just like this constant grind and build and um basically how i got from there to that next level was just like all right, trying to like reverse engineer i think i'm like the biggest nerd when it comes to this like if i try and like figure something out i'm like i'll obsess on it and pull it apart until i can figure out the model of how you progress and i basically did that with my career started reaching out to venues started trying to figure out what the going rates were all this stuff i made so many mistakes and then mm -hmm. got to a point where it was like okay cool i got enough going for me that i got contacted by uh my agent who's still my agent now reese uh from lucky entertainment and 
yeah, basically went down to Melbourne, had a meeting, sitting there in the office with like 16 original tracks and was like, all right, this is what we're doing. And and they kind of picked me and yeah, it's been an amazing sort of progression. And, you know, previous to that, like I had like some smaller agency stuff and yeah, I'd love to dive into all of that with you as well. It depends how much in depth you want me to go. I could just chat. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which is the beauty of the music industry. You could talk for hours about these experiences and how long it took um, to get there and the, the winding and weaving to um, build such a, a, a career. And I think like something that resonated with me just then when you said is sort of like there, there is always, no matter where you are in the music industry, there is always moments where you can be like, but I, I love where I'm here, right, where, where I'm at right now, but I want that. I want, I want that thing. <laughs> so it's yeah. kind of get to the next thing. And if, and if you're, if you're not like looking around and asking then like that question i think is you're in a very very fortunate position where you're like obviously built yourself to the stage where you've you've reached all your goals um but it is like the sky's the limit almost with most most careers isn't it yeah i i really love that and like to that extent you know i i think for me like the only time i'm like truly happy is when i'm like working towards something it's like i think there's you know been moments where and I think it's so easy to get stuck into this as well. Like on the on the DJ background of things, it's like it can be such a slippery slope because if you're a resident DJ on a beautiful place like the Gold Coast or something, it's like, you know, you might work a couple of nights a week, you're making good money, you go there, everything is given to you. There's like, you know, drinks, you get treated well, like everything's nice. And it, it'd be so easy to just to sit in that and be content with that and be like, yeah, this mm -hmm. is this is dope. And it's like, and it is at that time, but I don't know i guess for me i was like you know you kind of look around and you start to see the people around you and you know they're almost celebrating something that is an achievement to a point but i think i've always just had a hyper obsession to try and i don't know just outwork everything i i think i kind of have like this crazy work thing going on in my head internally all the time so. <laughs> i think some of the best music industry people do have that in the, inside them which is great um now we've been talking a little bit a, a bit about like your journey through you know the music industry and performing what has been some of your best moments as a performer during your career awesome so i think so there's been some pretty incredible moments like i think the the first initial big moment for me was being able to go from you know this small country town to being like okay cool i'm transitioning from being a builder during the week to actually being a full-time dj and that was that was pretty big and um i think the next biggest moment would be you know signing to lucky amp which was a dream of mine you know watching people i look up to like will sparks and you know joel fletcher and all those people that were at the highest level at that point and being aligned on the same agency as that was insane i i'm very grateful for so many moments and then around the same time I moved to Bali and I was uh, one of the main residents at Sky Garden there. Um, yeah, came back to an Australian tour and just everything kind of happened all at once. It was it was kind of crazy. It was like, you know, five years of work that no one's seen. And then, you know, within, you know, three months, it was like my first original track was out on a sub label of Universal and then touring. And then just everything sort of happened at once. And, you know, it was a it was a crazy, like bubbling time. And um, yeah, I really enjoyed that period and it's just been a constant grind up until um, sort of that COVID period hit, like yeah. everyone. And um, I'd say my, yeah, moments past that uh, in terms of performance, Lunar Electric, which is in my home city of the Gold Coast, just having the most incredible set time, main stage. It was like, I think it was like 5.30 or 6 p.m., sun setting, you know, pyro, everything just the set I worked so long on and like created all these massive orchestral intros, just everything just came together on that day. And it was probably the best set of my life. And I think I put it together wow. on the day. So I'd say that was the highlight for me for sure. And I'm very grateful for that op to have had that. So yeah. Yeah, amazing. It sounded like everything aligned for the perfect set for that one. <laughs> yeah, that was amazing. There's definitely been a lot more ups and downs, but that's definitely my highlight reel for sure. I love that. I love that. Now you're teaching a program you built um, called the OSOS, is that right? OSOS, OSOS. Academy. <laughs> it's so OSOS. hard to keep track of all the names nowadays. <laughs> oh, Tell us about the Academy. <laughs> so uh, OSOS Academy. So it's funny, that actually started for me um, 
so a few little iterations of how it's got to this point. So basically it started out um, in my good friend's warehouse. He runs an AV company, shout out Trent, Prestige AV. He uh, yeah runs an AV company and basically had a purpose-built music studio there, which was incredible and no one was really using it. And I was fortunate enough that he let me be able to rent this little space. And I think it was initially meant to be like a showroom type thing for what they could do in the AV. But um, yeah, incredibly grateful for him. And I worked in and out of that studio every single day for about three years. And, and through that time, it was, you know, I think leading up to leading up to COVID, but not quite, probably like a year before COVID, I was sort of, when I stepped away from a lot of the resonant DJing to then, you know, increase value to be a touring artist, if you'd have lulls in the touring and stuff, I needed another way to supplement income. And mm. for me, it was it was kind of crazy because I was just producing every day. And then I started getting people hitting me up about like, oh, could you show me how to do this? Show me how to do that. And then, yeah, one one DJ like was just like, yo, could I pay you to come down in the studio and you just teach me things? I'm like, okay, yeah, sure. And I'm like, yeah, sweet. And that, that kind of started that. Then all of a sudden, you know, she told her friends about it and then other DJs. And then it's sort of like this organic little thing that I wasn't really advertising. And I was starting to teach people in the studio that I was fortunate enough to be in. And then from there, I was like, I really love this. And I was like, okay, maybe I can do like a group class thing or something. And then yeah, next thing I'm at uh, Officeworks and Ikea buying all these little makeshift chairs and stuff, setting it up in my friend's factory, got a little projector on the wall and I'm doing these in-class experiences and, you know, yeah. had that little class of nine people and it's kind of where it all started and I was just like, you know, I love teaching and I love, I don't know, like I just have so much passion for that and even like on YouTube and learn, like I'm obsessed with learning. So, sorry, I'm going down a rabbit hole here, but... I was like, all right, cool. Like, I really want to just like go all in on this. And I was like, I've always been, you know, fascinated by YouTubers. And I feel like most of my stuff was self-taught. I was enrolled in, I'm not going to say the name, let's just say a traditional education um, place um, where I was learning a music production program. And it was like two nights per week, three hours a night. And I think the course was like six months long. I got like two months in and I was like, this is shit. Like it is just, I learned more on YouTube. And the thing was like, I was working full time as a builder. Plus I was DJing three nights a week and then had to drive an hour to get to this said university. And just everything just wasn't adding up. And I just didn't have enough time. So I was like, okay, YouTube discipline and just like lock in. So then I guess when I started teaching, I was like, all right, maybe I could be like one of those people on YouTube that I learned so much from, save these people like wasting their money on an outdated, in my opinion, an outdated system that just doesn't work. And um, yeah, that's kind of how I like started going down that path. And then from there, so uh, this is going to be a whole bunch of things tied into things. So, um, <laughs> so initially the studio that I worked out of, I branded Studio 17 because that was the address of the street. One slash seven was the address. So classic. <laughs> Why not? Like, like everyone else, realistically. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I was like, well, it works. So, and then, uh, yeah, went from that. COVID hit and then pivoted to 17 online because <laughs> we didn't have a studio location. And then that's where the OSO came from. So 17 online. Um, uh, briefly, I had a business partner uh, who was my manager at the time. And, you know, I think we were like really trying to, it was like such a great experience during that time. We were both two people that are extremely driven and just like trying to work out like, how can we make this a thing? And how can we, you know, create something within this, you know the context of the music industry to like give value and also something that's a scalable thing and we can make it like a one-stop shop for music and you know we worked extremely hard on that together for you know a long period of time during covid and then you know towards the end of it when the model just wasn't working and i think in that time we ended up like any entrepreneur creating like five other different businesses within that um yeah, my previous partner, Andrew, he went down the management and agency route and we ended up building a management company and an agency while within this period. So, um, yeah, we yeah mutually split and uh, he went his way in the artist 
and yeah, management and agency route, which I'm stoked for him. He's still doing extremely well in that space. And I yes. got to go with my baby, which is Oso Academy. So at the core of it all, education and yeah, slowly over time, it's uh yeah, immersion is the best into the next part. Um yeah, before I go like too far, did, did I skip over anything? I I would just start going on a path there. I love it. We got the in-depth view, which is Ooh. fantastic. I think the the only thing you really missed out on was where did the name come from? Awesome. So yeah, the one uh, studio one seven to one seven online. So uh the abbreviation for one seven online is OSO. So that's where it came up with. So uh, I see I heard I like I read it and I was like, I, I bet you it came from people being like, oh so like and then <laughs> asking oh, the better. question. That's even <laughs> you're welcome. You can take it. <laughs> you. That's my tagline. Let's go. Because, because I imagine that's what you get consistently as you as you teach. It's like, oh so if I do this, then will that work? <laughs> that, is, that is genius. You you're ahead of the marketing team from this point on. Let's go. Look out. <laughs> No, it's um, yeah, it's, it's crazy. And I sort of like just kept teaching music production. And I think the biggest thing for me was I was like, okay, I need to find a way where I can do this and balance the artist project as well. Um, and then last year I was like, fuck, I want to go to LA so bad. LA for me has always been like, you know, the mecca of like where I can take this. And I just know so much opportunity exists. And I was like, all right, well, I need to figure out a way that I can have in, how do i say this without breaching um immigration um how i can uh basically have an in, how i can make money within australia while mm. i'm away in america so Smart move. yes yeah yes. You're working here yeah yes so i was working in australia re remotely um and basically let's 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 it's uh get away from that but we, we totally know what you mean and everybody does it and it's completely valid and it's a really freaking smart idea because realistically you're like building something that works with your passion while also making it in some senses a passive income which allows you to go and do you know the things like touring and things like that that will actively build your career but then also actively build your academy as well which is an yeah. amazing business move realistically no, oh, thank you. Yeah, that is way better articulated than where I was dancing around. So thank you very much. It's almost like it's something I've considered too. You know. <laughs> so yeah, it's a little bit gray area, but essentially, I was uh, while I was in LA, that was one of the greatest experiences of my life. Like it was like, okay, cool, I saved all my money, and I was like, cool, I'll go over on a three month Esther, uh, like a lot of artists do, and basically just try and get in as many rooms as I possibly can and work with as many people as I can. Um, when I say work, I don't mean financially work. I mean like studio work yes. for clarity. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, on that, immigration. <laughs> <laughs> immigration is hard and getting a visa is extremely hard. So <laughs> oh, it's, a, it's a fun process and that's what I'm still going through at the moment. But um, yeah, to that note, basically in my roundabout way of getting to that was I had um, six students that I basically taught just music production. Um, and then over a 10 week period, it was really cool because I was just teaching music production. I was doing two hours a week with each student. And within 10 weeks, three out of the six were able to quit their full-time job and become full-time DJs. And I was like, like, there's something to this. Like, this is really cool. And, and meanwhile, I'm working in hip hop camps, writing with a bunch of different people in LA and doing all this. And I got back to Australia and I was fortunate enough to tour. And then at the end of the tour, I'm like, you know, I really want to see, I, I believe there's more to this and I can, you know, help more people. And then, yeah, ended up getting a mentor to sort of look in on the business and be like, I'm like, I don't know how to make this sustainable and uh, create like, something bigger of this and basically looked at it and like okay what why did these three people succeed why didn't these three people i'm like i don't know the three that didn't maybe they weren't as committed he's like think about what you taught and come back to me so i thought about it came back and he's like so what did you teach in the three that succeeded i was like oh man we talked everything we talked branding marketing bookings networking music production and he's just like that that is what you need to teach and that was just like the biggest light bulb, biggest cog click for me. I was like, 
damn, uh, my talent isn't in just teaching music production. It's an overall industry thing. And that's truly what, yeah, Oso Academy then became for me was like, okay, let's make this such an in-depth program that it's like, I don't want people just coming in for a week here and there, like doing production lessons. I'm like, let's lock down like a 90 day curriculum and let's follow that curriculum. And it's like weekly mentoring um, along with, you know, plug and play video lessons, group calls, coaching, 24 seven DM support. And yeah, really creating an entire artist experience. And I, I think like a misconception I had and what a lot of artists have is like, you know, you get management or you get signed and you think someone's going to take care of all this for you. It, it's not. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, this is this, for me, this was like, okay, let's, let's get the real world education of like these things that these people are about to be met with and let's create it. So then, you know, through this, we're really just, you know, building people to be an amazing prospect to get booked or get signed to a touring agency and then have someone else have to do your booking. So that's sort of how I, yeah, how it sort of came to be. I feel like that was one of my biggest ADHD tangents ever. So thank you for hanging in with me on that. <laughs> it's all right. I'm dating someone with ADHD. I'm like fully on the ride. <laughs> Fantastic. I'm wrapped in for that one because it's, it's a exactly. lot. <laughs> I loved it. I loved it though. And I think like, yeah, I think there's, there is a huge need in the industry for more, coaching programs that do give that mixture between the music side like the building the music side and also the the business side of um you know the music industry and i think like realistically you're so right like i i'm an artist manager and i come from the space of like i built my own program as well because i had so many artists coming to me being like we need an artist manager to solve our problems because we've hit a ceiling we've hit this and i'm like well actually no you don't you actually just don't have the right foundations in your career to build off in a space like like build off what you have to then build it into like a something sustainable and that sort of as as i'm sure you've experienced becomes these like light bulb moments for them where they're like oh shit, like that's yeah. what i need to do to get where i need to go or in some ways it's sort of like oh shit, it's going to take that long. <laughs> and they really, really question if they want to do it, which, you know, is very enlightening when you do get to that space for some bands. You're like, okay, I'm just going to leave you guys here and uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll get back to you soon. <laughs> that's incredible. Can you, can you uh, speak more on that? I'd love to know like more of, yeah, in the background of, um, you know, what sort of things that you've found for you sorry i don't mean to jack the interview here i love but it I, you're speaking around on me <laughs> no I'm, I'm i'm like genuinely curious like uh, like on a conversational level of you know mm. like uh, what what is sort of like some of those i guess like unmet expectations that you sort of found some of these artists had when thinking of signing and a management was going to solve it like what what do you think were some of those things that stood out Oh, well, we could definitely talk for hours post this episode, <laughs> but I think like the main ones though that really resonate with a lot of artists are like they were feeling like they weren't getting the support shows that they wanted. They could see people coming further in their support journey like than them or quicker through that support journey than them. Um, and then also I think there's this innate assumption in the music industry that to make it you need an artist manager. And realistically, that has been dismantled since streaming um, and the the internet. Realistically, yeah. um, a lot of musicians are still stuck in that 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 box, and and it, it's become like this almost this like this badge of honor. It's like, oh yeah, I have a manager, um, which yeah, definitely makes it really interesting when people will approach me, and I'm like, yeah, you're not going to actually make me any money. So why why do you think you're sitting here? like telling me that I should work with you like what what is it about that and like in full transparency and I think mm -hmm. I've been transparent about this on the podcast is like the artists that I do currently manage they're new and emerging like I've worked with them since their very first single and I know that we're on a 10-year journey together and yeah. I know I'm not making any money off them right now it's a passion project it's something that I know that fuels me and teaching also fuels me which is why I built the program and so like I think that's what a lot of artists maybe don't see is like a lot of the musicians that are sorry a lot of the managers that are working with new and emerging musicians we're not making money we're just doing it because we truly truly believe in the project yeah if you can't get around that we're not going to sign you 
<laughs> See, that's incredible. Thank you for being so real on that too. Like I love like hearing this again because I know I'm going to, my students are going to listen to this podcast too. And like having that, you know, extra perspective is incredible. And, you know, this is something that I, you know, talk about a lot where is something that I think was a massive misconception um, for me, even at the start. And I feel like this is like such a misconception still of like, you get signed to an agency and your life's about to change. Like this is yeah. all happening, but yeah. So it, it's so refreshing. Just wait another five years and then your life will change. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like like that's the biggest thing it's just like there are so many steps in between there and there and at the end of the day an agency is basically just a salesman so if you have a shitty product they can't push you so yeah yeah, yeah. that's so, so true and and realistically you've got to have the right foundations in place so it's branding it's timeline it's strategy it's like the right you know mixture of everything so that and the right music obviously so that it's this marketable product that can be pushed forward and if you don't have that set up it just almost becomes impossible it's like put it's like literally pushing shit up a hill <laughs> yeah i, I can agree more and, and that's the funniest thing it's like you know I, I feel like a lot of conversations i have they're like oh when this record comes out things are gonna change i'm like well i hate to break it to you but no it's not yeah. like there's there's so much here that you just haven't addressed and i i, I think that's the biggest i don't know misconception and you know, mm -hmm. like, I, I think so many people get into it or, or think that there's going to be a shortcut or so many people are, I guess, like just in the, in the context of how we're living in this day and age of, you know, the instant gratification and the dopamine hit and everything else. It's like it looks easier than what it is. And then you see someone go viral on TikTok and you're like, oh, like, it's that easy. Why don't I have that? And it's like, no, it's like no. That years of work to get that overnight success moment or whatever it is in that. So I, I love that you're on page with that as well. And, you know, this is something I do through the program, which is, you know, we work on identity. So, you know, really finding out who someone is at the core and really like discovering that. And I find like that's where a lot of the breakthroughs really happen with the artists I'm working with, because it's like they're looking at a context of, you know, whoever their favorite artist is. And it's like, that's not going to work for you because that's not you. So let's mm -hmm. focus on you and create that. And then content the world we live in at the moment everything is content but you know you got the gary v's of the world saying like post every day post this post that but i'm like oh my god there's so much noise and there's so much shit content that i think it's actually counterintuitive to be doing that and it's just uh -huh. like does any of this content actually align with your identity your brand and your direction and this is something we're really honing on there and it, it should be like effortless like it should be like a transaction of like this takes me i don't have to have a social anxiety attack knowing that i have to do three reels this week it should be like cool hit record sweet this is cool this is what we do so this is where i really try to focus in on everyone and then from there music production like that's been my bread and butter for so long and i absolutely love that so i love working hands-on in that and then the other things which i think people in the industry always know it but I guess like not necessarily knowing how to do it correctly, which is, you know, networking and bookings. And uh, that's something that um, I'd love to talk to you on the back of you just coming from Big Sound as well of like, you know, the importance of that networking as well. And, you know, like some of the things that, yeah. Yeah, I, I vividly remember being, I went to a music university and did a bachelor in entertainment management. I remember sitting in one of the like classes and, the lecturer was like yeah like networking is so important and i remember being like oh my god like networking cannot be the only answer to this like to everybody's question like <laughs> you guys need to get off your fucking ass and like like show us what it's actually like to to build careers it's not just networking because that's ridiculous you're actually using people to get what you need yeah. and i'm now seven eight years into my career and a <laughs> A lot of it is strategy, but unfortunately, a lot of it is networking and it kills me. <laughs> it it kills me that they're right. <laughs> it, it is. It, it's like such a key thing. And I, I think so many people do it wrong as well. And I, I think like, you know, I've been fortunate enough to be in those situations where I'm like, you can see, like I went to, for just a random story here, I'm going to go on another tangent. So okay. I'm ready. <laughs> or, right now <laughs> amazing so when i was in la last year i went to like this music link up like it was basically a networking event 
and I've never been to something that felt so dirty in my life. It was oh. just like, like I don't know what an artist name or something is. Yo, I'm I'm Technicolor. What's your name? Like, and it's just like, oh really? Like, man, my mum called me Jake. Like, man, she was basic. <laughs> you know? Like, what the fuck? Like, people just come in with like this. There's such abundance of like, you know, it's this, and then it's like, so what do you do? And it's just like, okay, follow. So yeah, yeah, yeah. What what can you do for me, type guy? And it's like so transactional. And it's like it's it's funny. I guess like talking in context to the industry I'm in the most, which is DJing, is um, you know, seeing how people interact in that field and being like, oh, bro, you should book me. And it's just like, I clap when I'm impressed. Like what the yeah. fuck? It's a different <laughs> world. So it's like I, I think it's so important. And it's like one of the coolest lessons ever. I think I learned from you know being in LA in these networking situations and stuff, I was fortunate enough to meet with the founder of DJ City over there, Edwin, shout out Phenom. He is the plug and he is the highest level networker I've ever met in my life. Like this man knows everyone and everything. And the coolest thing about him is he selflessly does this. He's like, you know, oh, I'll put you in touch with this person. Cool, I'm catching up with Pitbull tomorrow. Sweet, Lil John. like. And it's like all of this and it's like he's not trying to gain anything from it he's like genuinely just an amazing person and because of that you know that attracts so much more it's not he's not trying to get anything out of it but i, I guarantee he has an abundance of opportunities just from being that genuine person and you know connecting the dots for people and i, I think that's what true networking is it's like you know giving value to someone else and expecting nothing in return and it comes around it does oh, it definitely does and I think like yeah that was sort of like one thing that resonated with me a big sound is like I was unconsciously connecting people because I was like well you guys are in the same room like connect here yeah. you go you guys should talk to each other and then um yeah I didn't even expect it to come you know whiplashing back but then like somebody followed up and was like hey I want to introduce you to this person that person I was like sure go for it I don't like I don't, you don't need to, but I'm here. <laughs> I love that. And, and I think that's the coolest thing. And I, I think the people that have their long, like longevity in this career are those people that are with genuine intentions. It's so funny. And I'm sure you see this all the time. People that come rocketing up really quick for a second. They're like, you know, what can you do for me type people? And then they're gone next year. And it's yep. like, yeah. Exactly. Yep. It's that longevity and, and knowing how to, also connect with those people in a genuine way but then also reconnect with them in the future when maybe you do need them or maybe they need you and yeah. being present and being able like able to do that i think it's like a very tricky balance um and like i, I don't know if you've ever actually been to big sound but you meet so many people and some like half the time i was at big sound this year i was like I know that face where I know it from. <laughs> I was like, I think I met this person last year. I don't know their name anymore, but hey. <laughs> oh, I have the worst problem with that. Like, I, I remember faces. I cannot remember names for the life of me. It's yeah. it's quite funny. It's like, I don't know. I'm, I'm like very, um, very organized now because I feel like I've made a lot of uh, slip ups in the past. And now it's like, okay, if I've, connected and we've had this you know this interaction we've chatted on this level it's like where did we where did we connect where is that like i literally run a document that has like hey i have an email for this person all right cool where did we connect the artist name like it's it might sound a little bit creepy but it's like this is how my brain has to like you know compartmentalize where i meet these people because you meet so many people in the music industry and it's like who's this who's that and then it's like oh wait i know an a and r at that label let me put you in touch all right here here's the yeah. plug and Exactly. Like that. Otherwise, you're just like literally trying to like go through a like a search in your Gmail, trying to do like the name of the the label, and you're like, who was that person? It's incredible <laughs> that and, and bookings. Like I, I I feel like that's like the final kind of component of what I teach is. I was an idiot when I first started. I was jumping on planes before I had a deposit. I was just like, yo, I'm on tour. Let's go. Like. And it's just been young and dumb and it's like okay cool let's actually structure this out how to approach this properly have all your logistics in place have a contingency you know what are we do we have a deposit before we go like there are yeah. so many little steps like contracts in place and it's like i really just wanted to create this thing that's like the most well-rounded and you know perfect sort of program that you know you can come into it with experience and be like okay cool this is how i go from a to b and that's a lot of what the 
goal is within this sort of thing. So it sounds like, you know, similarly, like you have been doing the same thing. Are, are you in the band space or what? what is? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like in the, like the band um, solo project, duo project sort of space. And it's like, it's very different. It's, it's less about, you know, being able to make it within, you know, as you're talking about by like, by the end of that academy it's like it's a because it's such an oversaturated market and there's just not enough money funneling through yeah it's so hard to make it anywhere so it's sort of a lot more a lot more of a slower process but um it definitely is this like amazing community that comes out of it that's supporting each other and building through it which is really awesome um and i think like you know to to redirect it onto like some of the things that we talked about as well we touched on a little bit about some of the biggest issues that DJs are facing, but like, can you sort of, in a nutshell, sum up what you feel like is the best example or like the best key points of what are some of the biggest issues DJs are facing at the moment? Yeah, like as a industry as a whole or as an individual artist? Oh, can I have both? Sure, okay. <laughs> um okay let, let me start on let's go on an individual level just because i'm speaking with a lot of people daily and i i think the biggest thing is i would say like limiting beliefs within it and i i think it's like mostly it, it's just like you know i think like the thing is like you know if you're afraid of what other people will think of you if you fail then imagine what they think when you're not even trying and that quote or paraphrase from somewhere but it's like speaks so true and it's like i i think a lot of people right now in this you know social media driven world it's like they're scared to almost like show themselves up and like show up and be like you know it's so much easier to you know sort of almost not try and like kind of not fail and then you've you know created this self-defeating prophecy for yourself of like not putting yourself out there so then you don't fail and it's like this I don't know cynicism safety blanket or something like it's like this this whole thing and I, I feel like on the on the individual level I, I feel like you know coming into it now and it's like okay you need to do this 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 and this just to be at the bare minimum like mm. I'm talking you know I, I think the biggest thing that most people I'm working with right now are overwhelmed by content and mm. the volume and it's like the context of like the entire music industry like I remember probably like five, six years ago, or like even longer when I first started, like 10 years ago, um, I think I had a Facebook account with like a couple of hundred followers. I'd put up one post a week and that was enough. And it was like yeah. sick, like <laughs> that's enough. The context has changed now and the it's biggest insane. thing, yeah, it's insane. Like you need to be constantly churning. And then you have the pressure of the algorithm of like, you know, this doesn't hit here, this doesn't hit there. I think you're just going to be like mentally extremely strong and you know like I love I love this in sort of what we've been building at Oso is is this community of like-minded people which is like okay we're all on this path together and it's mm. like you know it, it's gonna be hard so it's like okay everyone here is going for the same thing and I I think that's like one of those things that just as a generalist sort of thing like looking at an artist like I remember being a builder and it was like you know why are you wasting your time doing that shit on the weekend you should you should be buying a house and you should be renovating and then you should be doing that and you should be doing this and it's like that 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 thing of like people are, I, I think a lot of people just feel misunderstood and i i think it's um i think that's the thing it's like the limiting beliefs within that but that's also the beauty of social media and the beauty of this information overload we have today is that it's possible and you can see that it's possible and it's not like you know, going back to my small country town where like internet was barely even used, I think up until like late in high school. And it was like, you know, you don't know about that stuff. All you know about is the people within your town or whatever. And it's like, yeah. oh, he's he's doing well for himself financially. What's he do? He's a builder. All right, well, that seems like a pretty good option. But now it's like, you know, we, we have this context of like, you can do nearly anything if you just work your ass off. It's like, this is a, achievable. And I, I think like that's just the biggest thing on an individual level for DJs right now is just knowing that it is possible. If like yeah. someone like me, a tradie from the middle of the country can do this, then you can do it. So <laughs> yeah, that's exactly it. It's just like, yeah, I, I think that's like the, 
the main thing, um, overall in the industry, um, biggest challenge? Um, question. I think it's, I don't know. That, that's actually a really good question. Um, hmm. You don't have to have an answer. <laughs> No, I like to, uh, now that I'm like talking, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to keep talking. Um, <laughs> Just give no. me the platform. Let's go. <laughs> um, no, I, I think like the biggest thing now is just sort of, I guess the the level of where you can come in at is so competitive now. And, you know, like just to be on that level, it's not what it used to be. And I think that's the biggest thing. And I, I I probably am stupid for still using Facebook, but I see a lot of old heads on there like, oh, it's not the art of this. It's not the art of this. It's not the art. It's like, guess what? It's not. And it's like, you got to do everything now. Like you wear so many hats and it's like, okay, you need to know how to navigate these problems. And there's going to be a lot more of those than, you know, what it is but you know i like just chatting to my agent uh the other day we we're talking about the industry and where it's sort of sitting at in terms of post-covid and you know they're back stronger so it's it's cool to see that you know our industry is recovered um how do you feel like in the live space of um the artists you're working with and stuff like that do you feel like that has recovered like has the government put like a lot more stuff into that or where is that? New and emerging spaces, absolutely not. And we're going to see a very interesting ripple effect of that, I think, as people start to come up. Because realistically, we had two years where there was no bands or duos really coming through that space because they weren't, they weren't able to get into a room to record or to play together or that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. um, so you can already see the ripple effect of, like, the lack of support bands that have come up through in the last two years. Um, but then also from another standpoint, like a lot of people um, in that like higher up supporting space are really like hemorrhaging money. Um, like it's um, it's amazing to hear that the, like the DJ world or like the producing world is like really thriving. But I think like, yeah, from everything that I heard at Big Sound, but then also from you know, different people across different spaces of the industry this year. It's like everyone is pretty much making a loss on every single show. And it's, yes, it's getting brutal. Like it's, I think people are really like looking up and going like, okay, who, like there's obviously the people out there that are like, okay, who, who are we blaming? Like who who isn't doing good enough so that we can, you know, have this. <laughs> um, this. But obviously there's like a nice space of people that are like, this is really hard. How can we build up other people around us so that this becomes better or, or what do we need to wait for or what do we need to maybe pull back on so that we can get what we need um because realistically yeah a lot of um you know my peers are like booking smaller venues because they just know that they're artists and not going to sell those tickets because people aren't buying tickets right now um based on the economy and things like that so it's uh, it's such like we actually probably could do a whole episode on like the differences between our two like like genres or like you know yeah. um, it's almost like there's two different industries running within you know in in tangent with each other it's like your 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 side of the industry definitely does play into my side but yeah obviously different experiences different struggles more people on the road more um you know expectations of like how many people we're going to have as support and how big that looks like and how much catering looks like and how much money is being fueled into and also like how many people are coming to these shows like a, a lot of people come to your shows <laughs> which is that's actually very interesting like what you were saying there and i think okay i want to rephrase my last answer so yeah i love it <laughs> based on that i think like the, the biggest the biggest thing i think i'm noticing like from an outsider's point of view like at the moment i'm not pushing my artist project or anything i'm just you know success for me is the success of the students through Oso. but the biggest thing i'm like seeing in the trends right now or in terms of who's getting booked and the artist breaking through because i think this is extremely interesting as well that you were saying on on that point of like trying to get the supports and stuff like that like i sort of look at you know the industry in three different tiers you got like your the entry level type tier like obviously there's resident djing and then you got like entry level touring artists which you know they might be making between let's say 
800 to 1500 ish something like that for a show and the entry level that's probably that was probably great before COVID and stuff that would have been like that plus you know flights accommodation transfers now it's like that's like a landed fee and then we got to take all the flights out of that and it starts trickling back then I, I think the biggest thing right now is is you know mid-tier artists which are like they haven't quite broken through to that international success yet but they're still a very well-rounded like good Australian artist and you know they might sit in the two to three k price bracket or something like that but no one's interested in well no that's not true not no one but I'd say like the you know the majority of these clubs aren't really booking this mid-tier now which is probably similar to your support type comparison of like the biggest thing with the mid-tier is because they're not putting enough bums on seats to justify that fee so a lot of people are either going okay we're not going to spend the three or four here we're going to put you know 5k upwards into the higher act or we're just going to play it safe and we'll go a thousand less and go down in that so it's kind of like this mid-tier of like and i think this is the, one of the trickier things in australia especially i can only really speak on australia because that's my where i am but it's you know like i feel like australia doesn't really support as much as it's like i love to say the industry is so supportive and stuff it's like the tall poppy syndrome shit that we have in australia is like nothing else and it sucks so i really feel like it's like you know you work so hard to get to that next level and now we're starting to see the venues aren't booking that level because they're not enough to put bums on seats sell tickets they're not quite at this level yet but there's still this in-between level. And I, I think that's where a lot of people are getting stuck right now. So to look at it as the industry as a whole, I would say that's the hardest fucking bit because you've worked so hard to get to this point. And now yeah. if it's like not converting to bookings and you, you don't want to lessen your fee and you're not quite, it, it's such a mid ground. Like I think that is the hardest part of, you know, being a touring DJ producer right now would be that, that mid tier and like really trying to, yeah, get people booked on that level. So yeah well yeah even just you providing transparency on like the financial expectations and amounts of that like i think it, it like a lot of musicians are probably sitting here going like what the fuck is how much you guys make like you're you, you're saying like you know like this lower tier is like you know at, like flights and everything were added on top like my version of lower tier with some of the artists that i work with currently we're getting paid like 200 dollars a show Gotcha. Okay. So for context, I went, when I say lower tier, lower tier of touring is like they would have original records out. They would have, or maybe not originals. They'd probably be like at least remixing or doing something on that production front. But yeah, I, I can definitely agree with you there that, you know, yeah, that there. yeah it's such a, like a, a, dis, a disparity, but then also like what I love is that you can see how a genre and industry has figured out their niche figured out how they can actually really start to make money and like literally do what you said is like really like actually make more money doing like being a DJ than being a builder, which as we know, they they make yeah. pretty all right money <laughs> as, as most of the musicians know, because that's all like most of the musicians are tradies <laughs> and doing that on the side. Um, but yeah i think like there is such a conversation to be said about even like having more transparency around you know what some of these genres are making fee-based and what that looks like i think that's definitely a podcast episode i've been really keen to like drill into is like transparency around like what is actually what wh where is the money going how what does this even look like because yeah you go you know looking into um like i was at a networking event a few years ago and I had some um, like big band musicians complaining because they were getting a certain fee. And I was like, dude, that's more than my band makes. Like, <laughs> shut up. Like, sh sh shut up in like the most like, this is wild like way. But I was like, this is like, we need to be having this conversation more. And I could see them just go, oh, okay. And I'm like, yeah, like mm. I, I get why you're upset, but in the same breath, like, this is a very huge ind like industry issue and like we need to start talking about it more but then australia has a huge well the, our, our culture as a whole in the world has this huge like barrier between being transparent about money which blows my mind yeah i i feel like that is yeah that <laughs> definitely a whole thing of itself i i think the thing that i struggle with most in australia is you know that that tall poppy syndrome thing is is extremely difficult and i really 
it's so interesting to me because like most of the success stories that you hear, success stories you hear out of Australia are they went to LA, they went to Europe, they went there, and it's like no one really gives a shit about the artist until they go international. Then they're like, yeah. oh yeah, yeah, we 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 love that artist. And it's just like, did you know? Like, where were you? Like, yeah. were you getting that two hundred dollar fee or you know that? And it's like, you know, I think that's like such a big thing that I would love to do another one of these podcasts where we rip this apart and we go yeah. through all of the, all of this as well because it's such an interesting concept and it's like, you know, nearly anything. It's it's so funny that like in America, it's like, hey, I'm doing this thing, and people are like, go you, let's go. Like that's even if they're disingenuous, they're still so stoked. Like it's like, yeah, yeah. Let's, let's get it. Whereas Australia, it's just like, oh, you think you're better than us? Like what what are you trying to do here? So it, it's so interesting and like on on that front of you know transparency and fees and stuff like that. I'm sure someone's listening to this going like, what the fuck? We don't get paid that even as a DJ, and it's just like, okay, there are different levels to this, and they're. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's the most important thing is context to where you are as an artist and, you know, knowing, I guess, like, yeah, kind of what the standard is and, and what people are putting themselves out at because you're either going to undercut yourself or you're going to undercut the industry as well um, yeah. to that extent. So, so, yeah. so true. And realistically, it's whether, you know, you're a brand new emerging DJ or whether you've done the OSOS Academy, you know? <laughs> Academy, it's giving you the tools. Let's go. Like, Let's go. <laughs> I, I think that's the thing, you know, building a career in the music industry is hard. Hard mm. feels shitty. And this is what hard feels like. And this is why most people can't do it. But if you stay with it, you can. And it's just like, go hard. So, that's so, so true. Yeah, so, so true. Now, my last question for today's episode, yeah. and I ask this of everyone, when you're 90 years old in a retirement home and wanting to brag to your room neighbour about what you did during your long life, what would you love to say to them? This is, hmm. I would love to, I don't know, I'd love to get to that point of, you know, be able to say that, I don't have any regrets and I can be at peace knowing that, you know, I just gave it my all and left nothing on the table. I think I'd be, you know, I, I think is there's something I once heard of and it's just like, you know, the ultimate, the worst thing or something is like, you know, when you die and you meet the person that you could have been. And it's just like, I can't remember, I'm paraphrasing that. And it was yeah. terrible, but it is something I think about a lot is, is death. And it's like, okay, what, I don't mean for this to sound morbid, but it's just like, you know, there's a lot of, things where I'm like, I'm, I'm going to be pissed off if I don't achieve a lot of things I set out to do. So I guess for me to answer that in the worst roundabout way again, um, I'd love to just, you know, get to a point where, you know, my family's good. I'm happy. They're good, healthy, no regrets and be at peace knowing that I made a difference in the world. That would be ultimate for me. Amazing. I can't wait to see you do that. And, um, yeah, it's been great to chat today, Jake. I had lots of fun. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much. Thank you for hanging in there with me on uh, some of my tangents of that. I feel like I haven't done a podcast in a while. I'm like, oh, man, I've been cooking. There's some stuff to chat. So I, I love you. it. I love it. That's why I built the podcast. So <laughs> I love it. Yeah, I just want to take a moment to, you know, you know, recognize what you're doing as well. And, you know, it's amazing. I love that, you know, being an Australian and you're giving this platform as well. So I'm incredibly grateful for you having me on and, yeah, sharing what you do. So thank you very much. Thank you.